0: Hey everyone, welcome to Fostering Excellence in Agility, the podcast. I'm your host, competitor, coach, and mentor, Megan Foster. I help agility enthusiasts focus on the small details of training and behavior while still having a clear understanding of their big picture goals. Join me as I take you through key elements of dog agility training, competing, and teaching, and how you can take action today to start improving your skills within the sport. Let's get started. Hello again, my friends, welcome to another episode where today I want to talk about increasing motivation, increasing motivation for training, but especially for agility training, because this is pretty hot topic. It I get asked all of the time. How do I make my dog drive here? How do I make them faster? How do I build their independence and things like that? And to talk about this, I think we have to go all the way back to what actually makes behavior happen. And that is reinforcement. We need to get very real and very honest about reinforcement. And reinforcement, we typically think of food and toys, maybe praise, maybe social play, maybe petting, things like that, but primarily food and toys. And big emphasis on toys. If you are training in dog agility, you probably think that you have to use a toy. And I am here to say that you don't have to use a toy because the first rule of reinforcement is if they don't want it, it will not work. If they don't want the thing that you are offering them, it will not increase desired behavior. And the funny thing about reinforcement is that it is going to change based on the context. And I have an example for you. My 17-month-old Border Collie Sprint, she actually has great food drive. She loves food, and she also loves toys. She is very easy to motivate in that way. However, that means that dog sports and dog sport behaviors, agility, obstacles, handling, things like that, pretty easy to understand what, makes her tick in those situations but if we flip that waiting her turn and being calm outside the ring and loose leash walking those things are very difficult for her and let me tell you that in those moments when I'm training downstays and great crating skills and loose leash walking skills food and toys are not appropriate reinforcers in that situation And why is that? I will give you a few seconds to think about that answer. And it is, dum-dum-dum-dum, it's not what she wants in that context. It's not what she wants in that moment. So even though she loves food, she loves toys, and they are 100% reinforcers in most of my training contexts, they don't work well for me when I'm trying to produce calm down stays or loose leash walking around exciting things, because what she wants is to do the exciting thing. So that's the best example that I can give you about how reinforcement works and why reinforcement may not be working for you in the way that you'd like it to be. So if you're experiencing some problems with motivation, I need you to take a really good look at all of the contexts in which you're expecting these reinforcers to work and see if there's something in that. Do these reinforcers work better in some contexts than others? Because motivation is just about making sure that the thing that we're asking them to do is worth earning the thing that we're offering them. And so in the example of Sprint, doing the obstacles... She gets to move her body, which is also highly reinforcing. And then she also gets food and toys. That's totally worth it to her. But a downstay is not worth food or toys in the context of agility, maybe on the table. You know, what is worth it to her is getting the opportunity to do agility. So if I'm smart and I can go, all right, well, food isn't making this behavior getting me better, does it mean that she's not food motivated? Absolutely not. It just means that in this context, food is not the appropriate reinforcer. So we have to look at that from all the different perspectives when we're talking about increasing motivation is that we have to make sure that what we are offering as the reinforcer is what they want and it's what they want in that context, okay? Second thing to increasing motivation is you have to have clarity around how to get the reinforcer. Okay, so they have to know when food is available, when toys are available, when access to agility is available. So if I'm trying to build up that nice downstay, I'm going to be very clear that when I say let's go, it's going to gain her access through the threshold that takes her to the agility, and then I can. Increase the amount of time and the amount of distance she has to go in order to get it, but that it's definitely happening. That if you do a nice, calm, relaxed downstay, you are going to get to move into the agility space, and that is how that reinforcer is going to work. The same if for leaving the course, sure, she would like a toy in that moment, but I don't have a toy on me in that moment and I also need to make it worth her while to come get the leash on so I'm going to train it as a ritual that when I clip her leash on she gets to walk with me she gets her toy and then we continue walking so the ritualized uh, routine around which behaviors gain you what provides clarity And therefore, she's always able to know that if I do this, I'm going to get this. And if that behavior is continuing to show up for me and work out for me, it means that I am applying reinforcement correctly. If I'm not seeing that behavior show up for me reliably, it means that I am not using the reinforcer that I should be using or that I'm not clear about how to get it. And this is particularly important if you are seeing dogs that are normally food motivated. Now they aren't food motivated or they're normally toy motivated and now they're not toy motivated. Clarity around how to get the things is going to be so much more valuable to you than providing pressure to want the thing. So if you offer your dog cheese and they spit it out, my advice is to take a break, don't offer them more cheese or don't pick it up and ask them to eat it. They just told you they didn't want it. Or if you whip out a toy and tell them to bite it and they don't, waving it in their face or smacking the ground or batting them around with it isn't helping them to want it. It's just putting more pressure on them to want it. And again, it changes based on context. It will serve you greater in the long run if you get curious about why don't they want this? They normally love this. That's going to be way more valuable than putting pressure on them to want it. There are some situations that I'm sure you can think of that if you love ice cream, there are probably some situations where you don't find ice cream enjoyable, like if I'm about to get on a roller coaster. Maybe you don't think that ice cream is going to be a good idea. Maybe you're not ready for that. Or maybe you've just eaten a lot already. Ice cream may not sound as reinforcing. Or you have just been to the dentist and your mouth is a little numb. Ice cream may not go so well for you because you can't feel your face. Right, So there is always going to be some situations where something you normally love is not something you want in that moment. And the dogs are the same. So it's going to be better for us in the long run if we get curious about that rather than insisting on that they take it and like it. Thing three for increasing motivation. If something is hard for your dog, do less of it. And this definitely is hard. It's hard for me. I think it's hard for (laughs) most trainers to commit to doing fewer reps. And there's probably some cultural fog around, like, the more they do it, the more they'll get used to it, and the more they'll like it. But I think we're beyond... Helping them get used to something. I think if we really want to build that I really want to and I really love it kind of attitude, then we need to go on the basis of less is more. Kind of subset to that is let them do it slow. I know, I, you know, clutch your pearls, gasp, do whatever you have to do, but I'm going to say it again let them be slow. If they kind of lack motivation for whatever reason, maybe they're not sure about the task, maybe the task is really challenging, maybe the environment is challenging, whatever the reason, if they, if you ask and it takes a lot of effort for them to do it at all, and then we're disappointed when they do it slowly, we're not helping our motivation. We are better off honoring their effort, rewarding them as if they just broke some world record in speed, and then taking a break, putting it away, and seeing what it looks like next time, then being disappointed and trying to add more pressure to go faster. So one example came to me kind of recently when I was teaching somewhere, and... I didn't 100% know what was going to happen. You know, I didn't know this team. But the first couple of reps, the dog was really, really quite fast. Everything's going really well. The handler was lovely. Everything is going really nicely. It's biting its toy at the end of the rep really well, bringing it back. It all looks great. And we kind of had a chat about something. I'm, I'm sure some instructions about what to do next. And then she reengaged to get another rep and I noticed that the dog wasn't as into the toy at that point as it previously had been but she she ran anyways but the dog kind of petered out a little bit it wasn't going as fast and so then the handling was not as on time because she wasn't expecting it or she wasn't sure what to do so they just kind of stopped and didn't really know what to do and my advice for that student was If you notice that she's a little bit less into the toy, but you ask her for another rep anyways, and she does it, I don't care if she's slow. Pace down to her. Walk if you have to. But let her know that you appreciate the effort that she was willing to put in for that repetition. Because also, that handler recognized that she was kind of getting done because she didn't bite the toy as hard. She only did the rep because I asked her to. So I reminded that student to always advocate for the dog. And in that situation, the options are, don't ask because we know that the dog isn't going to be able to give her 100%, her best 100%. But if you do ask, you have to accept whatever the dog is willing to give because that's their 100% in that moment, right? The dog is totally willing and the dog was going to be accurate. The dog just didn't have as much in the tank anymore at rep four or five or whatever it was. And instead of telling the dog, well, that's not good enough, when it was kind of on us to recognize that it wasn't going to be good enough is, um, it, it is demotivating. So, Let them be slow. You will collect data over time. If your reinforcement strategy is predictable and clear and what they want, they will begin to go faster. But we have to believe that they are giving us their best effort. And if we don't believe that, we need to get curious about why they aren't giving us their best effort. But I truly believe that they are not um slacking off on purpose that there's always a reason they're not sitting in their crates thinking about well she only brought cheese today so i'm only going to give her cheese effort like that's not how they're thinking about it they are always making decisions off of how they currently feel and also on their learning history so if showing up and training with you pays off and there's a lot of reinforcement and clarity and predictability and they also can rely on you honoring their effort they're probably going to show up with a little bit more for you each time so that kind of bleeds into the fourth thing for increasing motivation which is watch for the magic of the reinforcement to work you need to be patient so if you are making sure that you have what they want and that you're listening to their tells and that you're not insisting on them wanting something and you're accepting that their 100% right now is a little bit slower than you would like it to be in the long run but you keep your reps low and you keep everything as clear as you can and and also interesting you will start to see their motivation to increase you will start to see that they want what you have to offer just a little bit more every time I see this all of the time in dogs that are new to training they might enjoy you might see that like in the house at home they really really enjoy um, hot dogs or something but out in training they're not as interested in the hot dogs but I just say stick to the hot dogs it's fine just keep using them clearly and predictably. Over time, we see that dog's interest in the hot dogs show up because they start to realize that the hot dogs mean the same at home versus in training versus wherever you go. They realize that the rules of the game are the same and that they understand the rules and they know how to win the game. And that's the most important when we're talking about increasing competition, uh, increasing motivation. And the last thing that I want you to think about when you're trying to increase motivation is to make learning more interesting, be more dynamic. So if you are training two by twos or contacts or things like that, try to not have all of your sessions look the same, try to change them up in small ways over time and give them a more rounded education in general, rather than only doing um, two polls and a ton of entries for four weeks. You know, make sure that you're doing a variety of things. Maybe if you are going to stick to two polls for four weeks, you know, maybe make sure that you are maybe changing how you reward or where you reward or maybe they're coming from a tunnel or going to a tunnel or maybe the location of the weave poles are just changing frequently. So keeping the sessions interesting and that the answer stays the same but the conditions are different a little bit each time is going to help with their generalization but also kind of tap into that puzzle-solving part of their brain that they really do enjoy right so dogs really do like going after puzzles and solving things and kind of working for their reinforcement but the thing about those puzzles is that the reinforcement is predictable and clear they know that it's going to happen for them so while we do want them to puzzle out things in training we don't want them to have to solve equations that are above their pay grade. So you do have to make sure that in your dynamic training sessions that you are setting them up to succeed nearly all of the time. It should be very rare that they aren't able to solve the equation. Okay, so those are my tips for increasing motivation. And it all comes down to getting really, really, really honest about reinforcement and how reinforcement is working for you and also working against you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, there are several ways you can leave me positive reinforcement. One, leave me a five-star review. Two, share with your fellow agility nerds. Or three, share your thoughts with me on social media. Be sure to follow at FX Agility on Facebook or Instagram.